Um, well, Labor Day weekend, right? You guys are all in town. That's awesome, all here. Um, I'm really excited to be finishing up the book of James, not because I didn't enjoy preaching the book of James, but just because um, I'm excited about this passage at the end of James. Now, who's enjoyed the book of James? Anybody? Have any of you enjoyed the book of James? I have thoroughly um, enjoyed preaching this book, um, and it has grown me in a lot of ways just going through this book in such close detail, and um, I hope that um, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your guys' hearts as well. We have come to this last portion in uh, James chapter 5. We will not have the text up on the screen today, so you're welcome to get there on your phones or on the Bibles next to you. Um, We're going to be talking about um, how we can pray in faith. Um, This portion of Scripture, in some ways, is... Um, debated, but if we really look at the heart of the text here, James is urging us to realize the power of prayer. And the whole book has been about faith, and specifically the Christian life lived in faith, and then he ends his book with this challenging um, command, you could even say, to pray. In every situation, in every moment, whether you're happy, sad, sick, doesn't matter, you need to pray. Because the right answer to all of those emotions, all of our circumstances, is prayer. Different types of prayer, but the answer is prayer. And I can't find my notes, because I think I titled it wrong. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I think I left it as untitled, maybe. Um... Amateur hour, you guys. You guys can leave the church if you're uh, upset about this. It's okay. Um, you know what? Who needs notes? <laughs> we're going noteless. Holy Spirit, lead. Uh, all right. So we're in James chapter 5, verse 13. We're going to finish the book. We've got seven verses to go through. And I'm really excited about it. And I hope that you guys are excited too, right? I don't know what kind of morning you have. I don't know what kind of weekend you have. I don't know if you have a surgery in a week. I don't know where you're at, but let's get excited, right? We're going to pray for you later. (laughs) Amen. And we're going to um, really learn from this text. Okay, so verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay, there's a lot right there. Let's let's, uh, take a look at these. Is anyone among you suffering? All right. Some translations read this as afflicted. Are any of you afflicted? Now, he's going to also say, are any of you sick? So he's really saying here in this first part, are you emotionally or mentally Um, kind of distraught? Are you upset? Are you sad? Are you hurting? Are you depressed? Pray, right? Because he's going to, the suffering here is not speaking, I don't believe, of physical suffering because he tells us to pray for healing and physical suffering. Here is talking about just general, emotional, or mental, um, maybe even a a spiritual suffering that you're going through. Or, Or any of you. 
Is anyone among you suffering? Is there an emotional problem, a spiritual problem? Is there something that's stressing you out? Is there something that's causing you to be depressed? Pray. The answer is prayer. And sometimes in our um, emotional or spiritual suffering, we, instead of praying, we either try to fix it ourselves or we get kind of mad at God a little bit. And instead of praying, we actually kind of remove ourselves from the relationship we have with God a little bit. Anybody ever do that? I know I'm guilty of that sometimes. Are any of you? I mean, sometimes in our emotional or spiritual kind of um, season or a, a low season or suffering season or a, a, a season of emotional affliction, we just pull ourselves away from everything. We maybe pull ourselves away from community. And more importantly, we sometimes pull ourselves away from the community, the communion we have with God. And he's saying, don't do that. The answer to your affliction, the answer to your suffering is prayer. And he says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Praise is another type of prayer. It's another form of prayer. It's, it's praying how good God is. You're praising his name. You're lifting him up. On the flip side, sometimes when things are really going well, right? We also tend to flee from the Lord. Sometimes when things are really well... You, you don't have any financial things you, don't, you need to pray about. You don't have any emotional or mental or spiritual things you need to pray about. And instead, and you know, maybe you're healthy too. And so there's nothing for you to pray about. And so you're just thinking, life's good. I don't need God. Maybe you don't consciously say that, but subconsciously feel it. And so you're not feeling that close to God because you're cheerful. Things are fine. And he says, no, if you're in that place, praise him. Thank him. Give him glory for that phase that you're in. The answer to suffering and the answer to joy, the answer to your cheerful seasons are both to pray. We don't stop praying. We never stop praying. It's so important that we pray. That's why the Bible says pray without ceasing. You know, from morning to night, the Bible talks about just to pray and pray and pray so that we can have closeness with God, so we can be close to Him. Now, verse 14, is anyone among you sick? We all, we all get sick sometimes, whether it's something minor or, or, or major. But it says, then let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So there's a few things here. The first is, is anyone among you sick? The, the word sick here is, the word um, literally has the idea of, is any of you sick to the point of laying in bed? He's saying, are any of you so sick that you can't get up? Are any of you so sick that you're bedridden? That's the idea of this type of sickness here. Um, now, if you have a headache, right, um, maybe we don't need to anoint you with oil, right? Let's just take some Tylenol, right? But maybe you suffer with migraines that are debilitating and leave you in the bed. Then, yes, let's anoint you with oil. Not everything is going to be something that we need the elders to pray over them and, and anoint them with oil. But the idea here is if you're bedridden, if you're really sick, like you, you, you can't get out of bed, the elders should go pray for you and anoint you with oil. Now, is this some weird religious thing? Um, it, I guess it could be seen that way. But oil represents the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, right? And so the oil has no power. This is not some holy oil that has superpowers. It's not, um, you know, it's not essential oils. It's not saying that, you know, this could be a verse used for essential oils or something. But it's not saying this oil has special powers. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. And when we anoint people with the oil, what we're saying is that the Holy Spirit can do the work of healing. It's not us. It's really us saying it's Holy Spirit. You can do a work here. 
Holy Spirit, we're going to trust you with this person. Holy Spirit, be upon this person and heal them. So that's the idea there. It says, now it says, um, the elders pray and then anoint him with oil. And let's continue here in verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, there's a lot right here that is oftentimes debated. Now, sometimes when we get to what you could say are more difficult scriptures, um, we get caught up in our opinions or our trying to understand exactly how everything works. And when we do that, we oftentimes end up missing the application in our attempt to fully wrap our minds around something that maybe, we, even if we had more verses on it, we still wouldn't be able to completely wrap our mind around. Okay, So there are um, varying views, if you read commentaries, if you go to different churches, on the prayer of faith, and whether or not, if you have enough faith, you'll always be healed. Right? Because there are some churches that believe that all sickness is from sin, and you, if you're sick, it's because you lack faith, which is a sin, or it's a sin that God um, is, you know, mad about, and you're sick because of it. I do not believe that. Okay? I do not believe that all sickness is punishment um, for sin in your life currently. I don't believe that. And I don't believe that if you have enough faith, you will always be healed. Um, I believe there is a lot more going on in this text and in Scripture um, to present that. There's a few key words here. So let's say, let's say here, he's, let's read it again. Verse 15, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. You notice it gives credit to the Lord there, like kind of how the oil represents the Holy Spirit. It's not any man that can do any healing. It's just simply praying to the one who can heal. So the Lord does the raising up. But then you look here, it says, If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. The key word there is if. Right? Are there some are there sicknesses you get because of your sin? Well, if you think for a few minutes, you could probably come up with a whole bunch. Right? You may get liver disease because or yeah, uh, liver disease because of alcoholism. Right? Um, you may have diabetes or um, heart problems because of gluttony. Um, there are a lot of sins that are habitual sins over time that can lead to sickness. Now, I don't believe that, like, you tell a white lie and God gives you a cult, okay? <laughs> and if you cheat on your wife, you get, you know, testicular cancer, right? <laughs> I don't believe that, and I, but, you know, you'd be surprised. There are te- churches that may teach that. Um, I do not believe that that is what they're saying. He's saying if the person has committed a sin that's caused this, He also can be healed. This verse, instead of being debated, should be taken as very encouraging for those who maybe know, I brought this on myself. I deserve this. How can I ask the church to pray for me? My alcoholism caused this. Who, why would I pray? Like, this is my punishment, right? And maybe we could even look at somebody and say, well, you did this to yourself. Why should we pray for you? Like, you deserve it. But this is instead supposed to be encouraged, even if your sin caused this sickness, caused this illness, you can confess your sin, ask for prayer, and be healed. Isn't that awesome? 
God forgives us of our sin even when our sin causes huge problems in our life. He can still help us in those problems. You know, you think of sickness, but you could apply this to other areas. Your sin causes other problems in your life, and God still can forgive you and fix those problems in your life when we go to Him. But He says that there is a key here that you confess. So if you believe that this sin did come because of, you know, this sickness came because of your sin, then confess it, and you can still be healed, which is pretty awesome. Now, I do not believe that God always heals. If God always healed every time we prayed the prayer of faith, none of us would die. There's no such thing as dying from old age. We all die from something. Either you get old and you die from a cold, but most people die from heart failure or cancer or something, but it just happens at an old age. No doctor in modern science now will ever write down natural causes or old age anymore. That's not a thing. There's always a reason why they died. There's always a sickness that killed them. So if God always healed, then and if then that means the best Christians, the ones with the most faith, they would be immortal. Right? It doesn't make sense to say that. We all die from something. So God does not always heal. But God does always heal believers, but eternally. Right? When it says that, you know, in Isaiah that by his stripes we are healed, that's for all believers. But if you taste healing in this earth, you're simply tasting the true healing that comes in the afterlife. Right? It's simply us experiencing a small part of it. We're not experiencing the healing in full because you still can get sick and die later. You're still in a body that is broken. And so not all Faith, like true, pure faith, will heal everything. It doesn't work that way. I believe here the prayer of faith, and this is my opinion, and I could be wrong on this. Some, some commentators disagree. Commentators that I respect even, and um, uh, theologians I respect, but also some agree on this portion here. I believe the prayer of faith here is referring to 1 Corinthians. And I don't have my notes, so I'm not going to go there. But in 1 Corinthians, it lists the gifts, and it says that faith, is a spiritual gift. And then also in that portion, it says that he um, allots different amounts of faith and in, in even the gifts to different people. So people have different gifts and they have different measures of those gifts. I believe the prayer of faith here is the spiritual gift of faith that can heal someone. It probably often accompanies someone who also has the spiritual gift of healing. I believe the spiritual gift of faith um, is a supernatural faith that sometimes encourages others when everyone else is discouraged, when nobody else believes. It's that one person going, no, we got to trust God on this, right? That's the spiritual gift of faith. And I believe it also happens when people are sick and that person says, you know what? I know it looks like they're dying, but let's pray. Let's get, you know what? The prayer didn't work. Let's pray again. You know, like it's that person. And when the Lord is giving them that faith, that faith will heal them because he's giving them that faith. Does that make sense? There are times where Jesus healed everyone, and there was times where like, the, he goes to that pool, and he only heals one. There's thousands of sick people, but he only healed one. But, just because we think that maybe God doesn't heal everyone, just because we do, or maybe I don't have the faith, doesn't mean we shouldn't pray. The, the exhortment here is to pray. 
pray, pray, pray. Don't have to fully understand how it works. Don't have to fully understand God's will. Don't have to understand whether or not you have the spiritual gift of faith or not. Don't have to understand, am I praying right? Am I doing this right? No, just pray. We try to wrap our minds around these things and we get into theological debates about why this person didn't get healed or something. And instead, it's just like, continue to pray. Continue to pray. I um, recently, uh, Josh and I and Alan went to go visit um, Alan's um, good friend's brother. And, and uh, Alan shared a couple months ago, um, Bertine um, has been, he's had uh, colon cancer since he was 19. And it kept getting worse and worse. You can stop me if I say anything wrong, but it was getting worse and worse. And about, was it two and a half months ago, Alan uh, went to the hospital to pray for him. And Alan, um, if you guys remember the story, I don't know if everybody was here, but Alan basically said, yeah, you could be healed, but you could also be hit by a bus tomorrow. (laughs) And um, basically asked him if he really felt like he knew Jesus. And through all that, though he grew up Catholic, he never felt like he really knew Christ or anything like that. So... Um, he prayed the prayer and said that for the first time ever he felt the presence of God. He was able to be saved. It was an amazing thing. And then f- for the last two and a half months or whatever, we had continued to pray for him. Alan would bring it up and I would you know, pray for him. And then um, I believe it was, it was not last Sunday. It was two Sundays ago, wasn't it? It was last Sunday? I can't remember my time frame. Okay, so last Sunday we um, went to pray over Bertine. He, on Thursday, um, things had continued to get worse. Three months ago, he was given, two months ago, he was given three months to live. And um, he had received the Lord during that time, and things just kept getting worse and worse. And I mean, um, his leg was like this big from the cancer. I mean, it was about five times the size it should be. About five times the other size. And one of his arms was probably double. Um, The cancer had spread through his entire body. And on Thursday, I believe, was the last day he'd really been talking. And Friday, he'd gone kind of into an unconscious state, being kind of being helped, left alive just by the machines that are helping him breathe. And the doctors said, basically, at any time, his heart's going to stop and he's going to die. So all the family was there um, doing all their stuff, you know, saying goodbye, different relatives, friends of the family were all coming by. And um, Alan asked Josh and I to come and pray. Um, we went over there. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to have the faith to pray and say, be healed, rise up, or something. And we pray, and I prayed for faith, and I prayed for faith. But I didn't have the faith. I don't think any of us did. You, you could just tell. It was his time. There was something about it. And we went in there, and we prayed for healing, and, uh, and um, we prayed for a while. I don't know. We prayed outside the room for a little while, and then we prayed. We were probably there for an hour altogether. And uh, he wasn't healed. He died a few hours later. And, you know... Then preparing this message, I've just been thinking a lot about healing, about praying in faith. Um, and you know what? I don't know that I have all the answers. Right? I'm still trying to wrap my own mind around some of this stuff. But what I do know is that James tells us to pray. Right? He doesn't tell us here to understand God's will. Because we can't. We can't fully understand how God is doing things. There's a pastor I really like. He talked about when his um, daughter died, praying for healing and then praying for her to be raised from the dead. He says he felt like he prayed in full faith, and it didn't happen. 
And he said, was it my lack of faith? Was it her lack of faith? Was it our church's lack of faith? Was it sin? Was it uh, simply that it wasn't God's will? Was God going to do something else here? He said, those are all right answers, but we don't know which one's the right answer sometimes. We just don't know. Right? Sometimes you see in Scripture that it's the person's faith that he says that you, because of your faith you're being healed. Sometimes it's a person who's praying for them's faith that heals. And sometimes it's just God has other purposes. And that one is rough, isn't it? Because sometimes we want to figure out the problem. We want to figure out, like, who, who do we blame here? Right? Well, and sometimes it's not that simple. Sometimes God just has other purposes. You know, um, if you look back here um, in, is actually last week's um, text in 5.11, it says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. You have seen the purpose of the Lord. Oftentimes, you know, we see the purpose of the Lord looking back. You have seen the purpose of the Lord. This is a past tense. Um, you think of the story of Job. He was righteous in all ways. Job didn't get that um, said about him um, by man. He got that said about him by God. He was righteous in all his ways. He's like, I'm not blaming this dude for anything yet. His children were dead. His All of his... Um, Crops were ruined, all of his animals were taken from him, and he himself was in physical pain from the different things that were coming upon him, and everyone was blaming him. Maybe this is your sin that caused this. Maybe it's your lack of faith. They were accusing him of all these things, and he said, no, 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 no. And even God said, this was God doing something else. So sometimes that's the answer. And you know what? Over enough time, we'll look back and see the purposes of God. But we oftentimes are unable to see them in the moment. We're unable to see them while they're happening. And even if we don't see them on this earth, if we don't understand on this earth, when we get to heaven, we will see the purposes that God had for all things. But, because we don't know the will of God, we just pray and we ask for faith. When He gives us that faith, we pray boldly. And you know what? We'll see people get healed. We will. I don't believe it's a guarantee, but I believe it is a promise that we will see it happen. And honestly, our church is great about praying for the sick. I mean, I, our community groups, you know, I, I, we have seen a lot of prayer for the sick, the family members we don't even know. And oftentimes we've been seeing them be healed. People we don't even know sometimes. We're getting reports. This person was healed. You know, I briefly once at community group mentioned my uncle, and um, he was told that he probably was not going to make it. He was, should go, you know, write up his will and everything. And he was completely healed of cancer. And we only prayed for him once. And I know other people praying for him. But the thing that, I mean, that brings me kind of to this next part here is, uh, he says, you know, again, therefore your sins, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, most commentators agree that that portion, he switches his language here, and it applies both to spiritual healing and physical healing. You know, um, we must pray for, for physical healing for people. But here's the thing, even if they are healed, they will die. They will die another day. You know, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he died again. 
You know, I wonder what that was like for him, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, this again. <laughs> you know, so we confess sins, we pray for one another, and God does heal. And here's the thing, God always heals the believer, but sometimes we just don't get to taste it yet. It is sometimes not until our afterlife with him that we are fully healed. Or always fully healed, but sometimes you know, you're not healed here, but you are always going to be healed in heaven. In uh, John chapter 2, there's the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine. When he turns water into wine, does so at the end of the party when they ran out, and the, um, the response is like, you save the best for last. That's the response that's given to the wine that he creates out of water. And he said, nobody does that. Everyone puts out the good stuff first, and when everybody's all drunk and can't tell the difference, you bring out, you know, you start with 512 IPA, you end with Paps Blue Ribbon, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But he says, no, you you brought out the good stuff first. Or, sorry, last. Um, I believe there is a huge spiritual sign there that, God is saving the best for last for the believer. The grace we've received is only a a, a sampling of what we have in heaven. The healing we can see here on earth is only a sampling of what is to come. The communion with God, the relationship with Him, the relationships with each other, is all just, we're sampling it as believers. We're tasting it. But at the end, He is saving the best for last and it is going to be so good, you know? And, and sometimes we get caught up in, why didn't he heal? Well, that person is more healed than you can ever even imagine. That person is so much, he's not just restored, but he has a new body altogether that is better. Because the Lord saves the best for last. And so, our faith is active and powerful in our daily life. But our faith is also not just in this life to get through this life, to have this life figured out. But our faith is really about the eternity of our life now in Christ. Think about that. Our our faith doesn't just get us through suffering today, but it's to know that we will never have to suffer again because of what Jesus has done. Our faith isn't just to heal people sometimes. Our faith is that we will all be fully healed when the day comes, that we will lack nothing, sin will be gone, all pain will be gone, our tears will be wiped away, all of it's gone, the best for last, and we'll have eternity with Jesus. That's where our faith is, is we can't celebrate death. What is our faith for? No, we should, we're going to miss those people. We're going to mourn, especially if they had families, you know, it still hurts. But the thing is, we should be able to celebrate the fact that that person is with the Father now. The person's with Christ now. Fully restored. And we should be able to celebrate that. Now, he continues to urge us to pray. And, and, and look at this. He says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, 
and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. He challenges the priest, he says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And then he tells us of Elijah. Elijah was a man like us. Right? He was a man like us. The encouragement there is that don't look at him as some special human being. He was just a man who was submitting to God. Right? And if we also submit and we pursue righteousness, we pursue relationship with God, we're no different than Elijah. We, like him, can have powerful prayer. And then he says that Elijah, a man like us, prayed and it didn't rain. And then prayed again and it did. Our prayer has control over the weather, if that's God's will. If that's what God wants to do through us. Right? We have control of the weather and we can move mountains. I believe, literally, I've never seen that. <laughs> but you don't know what your prayer can do. If it's God's will, if God wants to do something and you are in close relationship with Him where you're hearing His voice and, and, and that gives you the faith to pray, and you're hearing His movement, you're, he, you're feeling His leading, then you can pray powerful prayers. You know, the thing about that is you cannot pray powerful prayers without having a powerful relationship with God. You know, if you are just not serving God throughout the week, I I doubt that your prayers are going to be very powerful when you need them to be, when you think you need them to be. The people that did really amazing things in Scripture, prophets in the Old Testament, disciples in the New Testament, the people that did really amazing things, they were able to pray that, way with true faith and see amazing things happen to have powerful prayers because they were already in really close relationship with God consistently day in day out all day long in prayer in relationship in closeness with him think about it those who are able to do these powerful things it's because they can sense the will of God because they're so close to him A lot of times, our prayers don't do anything because we're just so distracted by everything else. Are you with me? If we spent as much time praying as we did watching Netflix, we would see a lot more happen. If we would, instead of sitting there binge-watching shows, which I also love to do, okay? But we would go and fall on our knees and say, God, I want to be closer to you. Lord, I want to see this person healed. Lord, Lord, I want to see you do this or that. I want to see the rain stop. Whatever it is, but you just spend time on your knees in front of Him. Literally, maybe. And then pray throughout the entirety of the day as well. But if we would spend more time in prayer, drawing near to Him, then we would see God do a lot more things. We would see Him do a lot more powerful things. The reason we don't see it is because we are not as close to God as we tell people we are. Amen? We're not as close to Him as we pretend. We, we just say the right words sometimes. Or we're recycling the stuff we learned two years ago when we did feel close. And we're just recycling that information. We're recycling what we learned out of Matthew two years ago when you studied it. 
but not studying something new. You know what I'm saying? Not hearing from God today. You look at all the prophets, they did insane things like fasting for long periods of time. Weird stuff like streaking through the forest. I'm not joking. Uh, Isaiah. (laughs) Uh, They were out there, but they were always just devoting themselves to God. And that's why they saw powerful things. Not because they were special, but because they were close to the special God. You know what I mean? Verse 19. This is also debated text. And we'll talk about why, but we'll talk about the heart of it as well. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. When we went through Hebrews, we went through some texts that were very similar to this. Um, these are topics that, this is a topic that is highly debated in the church. Can believers run away from God to the point where eventually they're no longer a believer? Or were they never a believer? One side would say, my brothers, if anyone among you, they would say, well, they weren't really among us, right? They were the Matthew 7 people, you know, saying we did this and that, and, and uh, the Lord says, I, depart from me, I never knew you. Um, some would argue that there are some who never know God, but they're among us, and those are the ones that depart and they never come back. And then the ones who really do know God, they depart, and they'll always come back because they truly did know Him. Others will argue that um, Hebrews and, and 1 John 5 and James 5 all teach pretty strongly um, by saying, if anyone among you, the language seems to suggest that um, these are believers who are um, running from God and because of it are at risk of giving up their salvation. I, I don't believe anybody uses the word losing salvation in this because you can't lose it. Um, I lean, and I, I taught this in Hebrews, and I'm going to teach it the same way. Um, and if you disagree with me, that's perfectly fine. But I believe that those rare, there are those who truly do know him and truly do leave. That's my theological leaning. Um, however, I see good arguments for the other side, and there's nothing I ever want to make a big deal, though that is my personal belief on this text. Here's the thing. I, when we were... Preaching through a similar text in Hebrews, I taught it the same way. Whether or not you and I disagree on that doesn't matter because you and I can never look at someone and make that determination about their salvation. It is completely and totally an unpractical debate. Because even if one of us is right and one of us is wrong, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's right or who's wrong. The application is pray for them because you're not God and you don't know their spiritual situation. You don't know if they were never saved, if they are losing their salvation or giving up their salvation. You just don't know. That's the application. So pray for them. So it's completely and totally a theological debate and has really no, helps us in no way in a practical application. The application, whether you believe once saved, always saved, or you believe that um, Christians can commit apostasy and, and leave the faith, does not matter because either way, we're not God and we must pray for Him. And that is His exhortment to us here. That's His command here. 
Pray for them. Bring them back. Do everything you can. If you see a friend wandering, bring them back. Bring them back. They need to come back. Don't be worried about whether they were a Christian to begin with. Just bring them back. That's the application here. Um, Here's the thing. This portion of scripture here. Pray if you're suffering. Pray if things are going well. Pray if you're sick. Pray for your friends who are leaving and believe that prayer is powerful and that we need to draw near to Him. James had already told us in two different places some things about prayer. And I, I was looking back at it yesterday and it's, it's awesome. In James 1, uh, verse 7, he had said... Um, Verse 6, but let him ask in faith, speaking of prayer, with no doubting, for the one who doubts is, is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. For he is double-minded, unstable in all his ways. He's talking about prayer. He's talking about asking God for wisdom. And he says um, that we can't be double-minded. Right? We need to be of one mind. When we're praying, we need to pray and faith. So he really gets at here, he gets at our, our, how our mind operates in prayer. Our mind needs to be solely on God. Completely believing in Him and the things He is doing. So he, he's already told us something here in James 1 about our mind and prayer. And then James chapter 4 um, he said uh I'm sorry. This is why I need my notes. But um, Okay, verse 2 and 3. He says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So he tells us another thing about prayer here. He says our motives can be wrong. So he gets at our mind, our understanding and and belief about God, and then he gets to our heart here about our motives in prayer. So he's already challenged us to get our mind right and our heart right. And then he tells us here that prayer is powerful, but I believe it's only powerful when we are doing it in complete faith. We've got our mindset right. We've got our mindset on the Lord. And we have pure motives, meaning we've been confessing a lot to the Lord and letting Him show us the areas of sin, the areas, uh, even our, our desires that are not of God, our desires that are wrong, our desires that are selfish. And if we get our mind right, and we get our motives right, our heart right, our prayer becomes a lot more powerful. Is that cool? But here's the thing. A lot of times we pray and we are doubting. A lot of times we pray, and we're praying because we have some selfish motivation behind that prayer. How do we fix those two things so that our prayer becomes more powerful like Elijah? By continually praying. By continually confessing. By continually more and more drawing close to Him in relationship. The closer we are to Him in relationship, the more our mind will not be double-minded, but of one mind. 
And the more our heart begins to have true, pure motives instead of selfish ambition. Instead of praying out of envy and, and selfish ambition, we're praying out of humility and truly praying for God's will, not our own. I heard someone, a uh, pastor, say, His kingdom can't come unless your kingdom leaves. I like that. His kingdom can't come unless your kingdom leaves. The idea here is if you want His will, you have to cast aside your will. And what happens is that He gives us the desires of our heart as we are pursuing Him in a relationship with Him. Our heart changes. Our desires change. And our mind starts to trust Him fully. Believing in Him fully. Not doubting at all. Knowing that when we pray, it's going to be powerful because He's leading us because we're close to Him. So my, my challenge today, and we're going to, we're going to have communion um, today. Um, somebody might... Okay, we got it. Okay. Uh, we're going to have communion today. Um, Melissa, you can come up too, Cody. Um, communion is a reminder of what Christ has done. And you know, Melissa was praying during um, worship about that veil being torn. There's no holies, uh, there's no holy of holies anymore. We all can enter into the presence of God because the veil has been torn because of the bridge that's um, been made by Christ, by the work He did. And we do this in remembrance of all that He's done. But this is also a time for us to set our hearts right. If our hearts have not been focused on Him, but been focused on everything else, this is a time to get that figured out. This is a time to be honest about our motives in life. This is a time to be honest about our lack of faith. This is time for us to set our hearts right. And I would challenge you if, you, if you can't get there, don't take it. If you can't get your heart set right, if there are things you don't want to repent of, don't take it. Wait. Because this is supposed to be a time where we remember what He has done. This is supposed to be a time where we acknowledge the power of all He's done and remember everything he, He's done for us. And to not take it lightly. In um, Corinthians eleven twenty three, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord, on the night that He was betrayed, took bread. And when He had given thanks, He broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You guys can take it on your own timing during, during worship, but let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, you sent your only Son to die for our sins. And to rise to offer us new life. That whoever believes can receive the salvation that you, that you bought on the cross, Lord. That you paid for with your blood. That can, we can receive the forgiveness 
that you purchased on the cross, Lord. You bore our sins. Lord, you bore the sin we committed this morning, this week, and the ones we'll commit next week. You bore those sins, Lord. All of our shortcomings. God, as we um, have learned from this book the importance of prayer, Lord, I, I just ask that your Spirit leads every person in here this morning to just pray to you, to surrender to you. And then we'll go this week and, and spend more time in prayer. Be a little bit radical. Do prayer walks. Pray with others that maybe you're not comfortable praying with. Lord, that we would do more to draw near to the Savior who died for us. In Jesus' name I pray.